0: Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. Some Christians who are so nervous Uh, uh, Christians were actually unable to process all that's going on, trying to get their bearing. More alarmingly, they seem to be surprised to see so much confusion and so much evil and chaos in the world that we live in. But I want to remind you, friends, that the Bible is very clear. As we live in the end times, it simply means that we are encroaching the time where Jesus Christ is coming back to us for the second time. And I believe in such season where we are waiting for the return of Jesus, we are actually going to see more and more of where we see the world going from order to disorder. If you refer back to the time of creation, God has set this place, a place called pleasure, a place of what? delight it was called the garden of eden in perfect harmony filled with god's purpose's love ordained for mankind and there and then the sin of man breached into this perfect harmony and we began to see slowly this perfect creation coming what and less and less perfect We see creation to chaos. You see the disorder in this world, and it shouldn't be a surprise to all of us, particularly for those belonging to the faith in Christ, that we should not be so shocked to see the world in such disarray. And I believe that we are in the thick of such time, and the anticipation of our things will be different and more difficult For Christians should not and is not a novel concept. In fact, the Christians who lived in the early church period felt this way as well. And now it's fair for you and I to be asking, well, there's such a big gap in years since then and now. It's been 2,000 years already. How could it be that people living in the first century and people living in now this day and age have the same kind of sentiments? It's because the point is to understand the timing of things as when Christ will return. Simply, so it doesn't really matter for those that belonging to the first century or those that belonging to the 21st century. it's that that we are living in the time of waiting for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So technically, it makes sense that such anticipation has been felt by every generation since the first century. And now Reading the passage here written by Apostle Paul, we find ourselves in the world that we are headed towards a direction where we see more confusion, where we see immorality coming even uh, to surface in a greater way than ever before. Apostle Paul is writing to his spiritual son, Timothy, It's about year 66 or 67 A.D. Nero, the evil empire ruling over the entire Roman world. This evil emperor, Emperor Nero, he hated Christians, and he hated Christians with a great passion. And he did some terrible, terrible things. He used Christians as lion's food. He used Christians as decorations at his elaborate parties. He often put them on stakes and burned them alive and made a public display in the Colosseum. And Paul, Apostle Paul, is in a dark prison cell literally just numbering his days. We know according to church history that right around this time is exactly uh, Paul was executed, no other than Nero, the evil emperor. And the description of Paul's in the last days seemed to transcend time as it seems appropriate in describing even the world that we see today. Let me read off some of the descriptions that describes Paul's end of times. Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedience unholy, treacherous, meaning unfaithful, unloving, unforgiving, malicious gossips, haters of good, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. Pretty intense and serious descriptions we see here. Now, let me read for you in case there's still a dissonance, still uh, a disconnect between what we read here. Let me reinterpret. uh, Let me read for you in the words of Eugene Peterson in the message version of the Bible. Now, listen to this. Men will be, people will be, self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck up, Contemptuous of parents, crude, unbending, impulsively wild, cynical, treacherous, addicted to lust, allergic to God. Isn't it amazing? I think these descriptions hit home for many of us, if not all of us. Again, In the last days is a timeless description simply referring to the period where people of God are waiting for the second return or second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Paul's description, this period just sounds really, really terrible. You know, we don't have the time to look at each one of these descriptions, but you get the sense, right? Each word is just, it just resounds with power and such a tight grip. It almost feels like a a manifestation of evil spirit or like demonic oppression, demonic force, just being uncontrollable after being possessed by it. And I want to just really hone in. And while we don't have the time to go over each one of these descriptions, I want to really hone into one of this particular description. As it is so important for us to recognize, and it is no other than the words men will be lovers of self. The New International Version renders it this way people will be lovers of themselves. Paul says in the end times or in the last days, the very feature, very characteristic that will mark the generation will be that people will be indulged with love of themselves. I think that description epitomizes all of the other sins or all of the conditions of sin. You know, at the root of every sin is this pursuit of self. It is this obsession and preoccupation where our ego and self-centeredness drives every aspect of life. If you read to if you read into Genesis chapter 3 in the garden of Eden, what happened in the garden of Eden? Again, a place called perfection, a place called delight and pleasure. What happened there? Adam, it began as Adam disregarded God's plan. As it began as Adam completely ignored and stepped over God's provision and God's parameters for him as he chose himself over God. He decided at that moment, I believe that I have the ability to look out for myself and he dared himself to go beyond the command. Don't go beyond the word of God. And you see at the, every, at the heart of every evil and every sin is this what? There's a desire to pursue self. It's this pursuit of self that we are most concerned with filling ourselves. We, we are often selfish consumers before God. It's just like what Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. That people, their stomachs, their appetites become their God. Isn't that crazy? It says that people will be driven to fill their hunger. People will be driven to satisfy whatever their their desires are. They're going to go out and fill it with whatever they find pleasurable. You see, if if I can be honest it's so true that people nowadays, this generation, all of us, including you and me, that we live to fulfill our own cravings and our hunger. And the disregard for self begins with high regard for, uh, uh, disregard for God begins with high regard for ourselves. You see, the moment that we prioritize our desires, the moment we prioritize our cravings, our longings, our thoughts, our desires, above the desires and the thoughts of God, man, there begins the downward spiral where we indulge in the life of sin. You see, in our natural state, in our natural sinful state, if we are left alone, we will choose ourselves over and over and over again. You know what I believe, friends? I believe that this generation's greatest demise is that there is no fear of God in us. I believe what, what the, the most painful uh, mark that this generation bears is that we care less and less about what God thinks we care less and less about what God desires for us. And the fear of God has essentially left us. And we live life according to what pleases us, what conveniences us, disregarding the word of God, disregarding the purpose and, and, and desires of God for us. And we live in this state is that in that, that our choices do not matter. We live in the mindset with that, that who cares completely disregarding the fact that our choices absolutely do matter. Our choices made wrongly grieve God. And our choices made rightfully and thoughtfully have absolute power to please our Lord and Savior. But we live in such a way that we care less and less about what God thinks. And the sad truth is that, and the problem is that we trivialize God's love. We become dismissive of his thoughts. We become apathetic and careless towards his plans and his way that has been provided and displayed for us. We forget that in loving ourselves, we throw away God's holy and perfect affections for us. We waste away what he richly pours onto us we, as we chase after what saturates, what satisfies our carnal desires and our temporal cravings. And at each moment, we become distant from God we grow ourselves further and further away from our God. As I meditated on this passage this week, a word came to my mind that I thought so poignant to describe all of us or many of us in this generation, and that word is fling. The word is fling. According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, The word fling, it means this. To move in a brusque or headlong manner. To throw forcefully, impetuously, or casually. That's what the word fling means. Okay, now I'm going to bring it down a notch for some of us, for all of us, so that we may have a better connection of what that word means for us. Okay, now I resort to another credible a source, the Urban Dictionary. I, I, sometimes it's crude. I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes it's crude, but I, I think it, it helps us sometimes to get, uh, uh, allow us to get the point more readily. According to the Urban Dictionary, the word fling is described this way. Deliberately short-term sexual relationships between two people. Not as serious sounding as a fair. More frankly, physical than discreet or tweed dalliance. The word has associations of a much-needed sexual relief from stress, worry, or hang-ups. No deep personal involvement required, just the sex and a bit of attention. When you're not in a relationship with the other person, but you do have the privileges as someone that is in love, often very short-term, can be sexual or non-sexual, such as kiss, hug, holding hands, or dates stress on the fact that there is no commitment and not serious. You know, when I originally had intended to share about how we are in a relationship with God and that we are in a flinging relationship with the world, and I was thinking about this, that we are essentially married to God. We are in a committed relationship with God. That we're our loyalty, our allegiance, our faithfulness belonging to God, right? And sometimes, sometimes in our weakness, sometimes in our fallenness, we, have, we, we fling. We, have the, we, we cheat on God. We, we fling and, and get in this temporary, temporary relationship with the world, and that we free ourselves from the covenant of marriage and we resort to a mindless affair with the things that are available in the world. Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? But the more I've reflected on this nature of many people's relationship with God, it's actually the other way around. I, I, I find it's just as m- truer if not, just as true, if not truer, that we treat God, the attitude which we have towards God, the way we value our relationship with Him, or the way that we don't value our relationship with Him. All of these things suggest that, to me, that we're actually not in a relationship with God, but we are actually in a committed relationship with the world. In these temporary moments, We resort to God. We resort to what God has, what God may be able to provide for us because it's convenient, because it's pleasurable, because it gives us momentary satisfaction. Look, look, check out the resemblance. It's so striking here. Let me read for you here. Now, again, let's read these descriptions as we are in a relationship, long-term committed relationship with the world, and we're in a flinging relationship with God. Let's see this here. For release from stress, worry or hang-up. How often do we come to God? For temporary relief of stress or worry or hang-ups. No deep personal involvement required. Just a pleasure or a bit of Attention. No commitment, just the privileges. It is important not to exchange any personal information with them. Sometimes, I see many Christians, we, we, we abstain, we, we stay away from getting too personal with God, trying to get not too intimate with God. And we hope to never see the person again once the transaction has been completed. In other words, mindless interchange of our flesh. In other words, give me the pleasure, but I don't want the intimacy. I don't need your name. I just need your game. Sometimes we play this game with God. We care less about God's statutes. We care less, not enough about God's ordinances and God's purpose and plan for us. We just want God to comfort us in time of need. We just want God to come to us and deliver us as we are in trouble sometimes. But in the heart of hearts, we are not concerned about being in a covenantal relationship with God where we regard His way. We have less thought and intention about being molded into His character and in His nature. And far too often, we become a people who have tied a string on Jesus and we throw him around nothing. And we put him on a string. We bring him in when we want him. We push him away. We put him on a yo-yo. We play this game with him again and again, pushing him away when we don't want him and drawing him in closer when we do need him. I want all of us To have the chance to evaluate our relationship with God today. I know it's quite heavy. Maybe the descriptions that we're reading in this passage is repulsive, maybe it's too indicative. before we deflect and deny the accusation of being unfaithful, being lovers of ourselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, before we push these descriptions away, because certainly they can't describe me. before we disassociate uh, disassociate ourselves, let's have the chance to check our hearts. Let's examine the contents of our passions, our thoughts and our desires and our intentions and understand that God is longing for our pure devotion. Even right now, friends, even right in this moment, God is pursuing us God is obsessed about having our hearts in its entirety. God wants to share our hearts with no one else and is demanding his longing for our devotion unto him. Devotion that is not marred or corrupted by selfishness, unholy cravings or without duplicity. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells the parable of 10 virgins. In his attempt to describe the end times, again, in in his attempt to describe what the kingdom of God will look like, he tells a story that there are 10 virgins, the 10 brides waiting for their bridegroom to come, but five of them are marked to be foolish, while the other five deemed as prudent, or wise. And simply the two groups were uh, divided in that five foolish ones, that they, they had their lamps ready, but they did not have the oil. The other five prudent ones, the wise brides, they had their lamps and the extra oil to burn, make sure that their lamps would burn throughout the night. Now that in those times, they did not know when the bridegroom will come. So it was their responsibility to be ready at all times, anticipating their bridegroom to come and take them away and to be together for the entirety of their lives. The parable tells us that while waiting for the bridegroom, all of them fell asleep. And by the time the bridegroom, bridegroom came, they realized that the five foolish ones realized that the lamps were not lit. So they begged the five brides that were wise and prepared, and they declined, so they went out to get oil. By the time they returned home and to be let in, and they were denied entrance by the bridegroom. While they begged to open the door, simply they were met with a reply, I don't know you, you cannot come in. And Jesus says this, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You know, you and I, as people of God, you and I, as Christians, we should be the most eager about the return of Jesus Christ. We should be most concerned, we should be most prepared for his return. You know how we do that? We do that by not living for ourselves. We prepare ourselves for the return of Jesus Christ. In the end times, guess what, time is ticking. Again, we are in a no different state than the time where Apostle Paul is describing. We are, in a different, we are in no different state when Jesus tells this parable of 10 versions that Jesus is about to come, the bridegroom is about to return to us, and he's challenging us and he's urging us, in what state would you and I be found? Would we be ready Would we be excited? Is our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back? Tell you what, folks, Jesus' second coming. It's not a matter of if, simply a matter of when. And I really do feel the need to remind all of you. You may be thinking, man, Scott, you're awfully sensitive about this end of days, end of times. Man, kind of getting concerned for you. No, 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 no. I'm getting concerned for you because I don't think enough Christians live with this sense of eternity in our hearts. I don't think we are as mindful that Jesus Christ is on his way back to take us with him. As he is our bridegroom, we are his bride. You and I are to be ready with the lamp and extra oil, making sure that the lamp is burning bright and light. Let me read for us our passage one last time. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. What if it read differently of this generation? What if as people of God we contribute to describing this, describing this generation differently? What if in the last days people will be lovers of God Lovers of generosity, people will be humble, encouraging, edifying, obedient to parents, grateful, holy, loving, peacemaking, self controlled, lovers of good, faithful, committed to godliness. May we be such people, amen. Church, amen. May we be like the five wise brides who are ready to receive their bridegroom. Jesus Christ is coming back and is waiting for his bride to be ready, clothed in white, pure and holy, devoted, not only excited, but ready to receive the bridegroom to come. Let us live that way. In this crazy season where things are s- changing so fast, there's so much evil happening more and more, just the corruption of man is, 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 is you know, peaking its head more and more affecting us, becoming even more visible than ever before. Let us commit ourselves today to live for him. Let us commit ourselves today to be faithfully devoted to Him. Amen, church. Amen. In that, we shine brightly the light of Christ through our lives. Through the way we live our lives, that people may see, they may be flocking to the church, and they themselves also Ready, get ready for the return of our Lord. We join together singing praises with our hands lifted high, affirming the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen. Church, let us bow our heads in prayer. God, we had the opportunity to reflect upon your word. God, the Bible warns us about how things will be in the end times. And God, just reading simply the descriptions, God, we know that we are in the last of days, Lord. God, we are fully in a season where in any minute, Jesus can return. And God, may we be found as pure and spotless bride. God, may our pleasures come pursuing and seeking the things of the heavenlies, Lord. Not the things that are selfish. Not the things that are driven by ego and self-centeredness, Lord. And God, speak to us once more. Lead us in this season, God. And may we find the joy of loving you and knowing you. We pray all of these things in your son's precious name. Amen.